Jesus, an eccentric billionaire with nothing but a bunch of extra time to spare. He's got his favorite subject and he's happy to share everything he knows about Greece. He'll go to every single ritzy secret event and mingle with his buddies in the 1%. But they find his passion an embarrassment and repeatedly ask him to cease. But never one to back down, ever a pro. He claims there's nothing else that's even worth it to know. So he grabbed his butler Eric and he started a show to see if anything will catch his eye. Now every fresh contestant must babble and boast on the subject of their choosing that they treasure the most. Put your hands together and welcome your host. It's Adam Maximilian Josephus Vin Diesel Riffi. Tell me about it. Welcome to Tell Me About It, a game show about proving the things you love are actually interesting and fun. I am Adel Rafai, local eccentric multi-billionaire, and I'm still looking for someone to show me something, anything, please, that is better and more interesting than the movie Grease. So far, nada. Though I am not doing this by myself. You peek over the ridge, and you see a goblin encampment. The little creatures have a roaring bonfire, dancing and spitting in the darkness, casting extended goblin shadows upon the forest behind them. Something in the pits of your stomach turns cold, watching these feral little guys' excited display. They seem to have a figure tied up and hung upside down on a tree. Make a perception check. Uh, uh, 16, good roll. Even from this distance, you realize that the hog-tied, upside-down figure is the butler you met with in the town earlier that day, Eric Silver! Uh, help me! See, this is my character voice I'm doing in this. Help me! I'm just so trapped by this goblin! Wow, I, yeah, me. I really like that. That's, um, would we say that's a uh, full-blown Kermit? Yeah, it's pretty good. That was my inspiration. Yeah, FBK. I'm, I'm still playing myself. Yeah, I like that. Eric, I like that a lot. Buddy, let me cut you down here. Sorry I had you tied up for that intro. Um, no, it's okay. Ah! Okay, now I'm out of character. Thank you. Ooh. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for cutting me down. The goblins were going to use my organs uh, as meats mm -hmm. for their for their festival, as you could say. Wow. And those, uh, those goblins, Eric, I don't know if you noticed, but if you look closely, those are all rejected cereal mascots. Oh, wow. Wow, mm -hmm. it's it's Tombi, the the lion and tiger. Yeah, the well liger, I think is what uh, nobody believes in ligers anymore. That's it, they're a he thing. He seems to be saying something. That's good for you. <laughs> yeah, he used to say that's groovy, but then the '80s came and that was uh, a faux pas and gauche. And then he said um, yeah. that's good for you, but then the '90s came and we found out that milk is actually bad for you. <laughs> right. Now there's, they're starting to back to us as beef milk. Eric, can I good. admit something to you as a billionaire who's Please. controlling the puppet strings of the marionette we call society? Part of my, my job it has to be listening Thank to you. Thank you so much. Us billionaires, we pay scientists every seven years. It's almost like cicadas. We pay scientists every seven years to oscillate on whether or not eggs and milk are good for you. And so far, <laughs> it, and the whole reason is to confuse, the, confuse the mass society, confuse their taste buds, their palates, their wallets, uh, their diets, their fads. And I think so far it's working. I knew you were big milk, but this is new to me that you're big egg. Mm -hmm. I, <laughs> you kept telling me that there was some sort of egg cabal and the prices had to go up because the chickens couldn't get driven yeah. from the proper place. Yeah. That's right. Also, uh, Egg Cabal, uh, the full name of the bad guy from Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> a friend of mine, actually. A friend of yeah. mine. Yeah, I was I was also in that band in high school. Oh, you were an Egg Cabal? 
I was an Enkelball. I was the bassist and triangle And player. didn't Chevy Chase help start that? He was the yeah, drummer. We kicked, yeah. we kicked him out because he was he was an asshole. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Eric, uh, I think let me sit in my comfy chair. Of course, Daddy gets the big chair. Uh, who do we have on the show today? I see there's a big metal cage in the middle of my foyer. Oh, actually, it's a five A, but I don't want to brag. <laughs> All right, well, let me sit in my in my chair, that's just half the size of yours. Uh, welcoming our newest contestant, performer, comedian, and actual play game master, Brennan Lee Mulligan. Huh, 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 God, the big metal cage. What the hell? What the hell? It's okay. It's okay. I'm being pet on my face by this butler. He's like, here, Brennan, here's two sugar cubes and a meat stick. It's fine. Shh, it's okay. Well, I appreciate the meat stick. I'm trying to <laughs> trying to cut back on processed sugar so the meat stick will be fine. Can I just say, Lee Harvey Oswald, Mark David Chapman, John Wilkes Booth, Brennan Lee Mulligan, these four men, four of my favorite men in history. Mm-hmm. Really, and and, and no, and, and what makes it? No, are they? Are we? No, let me ask if I can, uh, uh, Adam, if I might. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You sort of put me in a category here with yeah. with. There is a category that me and those other three gentlemen you mentioned do belong to, which is uh, people that use three names in huh? common what? parlance. But there's yeah. another category that the other three belong to that I am sort of uh, anxious about being. Yeah, yeah about anxious about being grouped in with. Could you maybe see why that would make me anxious? Yes, Brennan, uh, I am shocked you all have uh, three names. I didn't even notice that. I didn't put that together. <laughs> so, what, so what category do we belong to to you, if not the three name category? <laughs> Four men in history who took their shot. <laughs> Oh, and God. it paid off. It paid off for all four. <laughs> I'm so glad you own the mass media so we can cut that. <laughs> so good. Too soon? Too soon? Too soon. No. For, any, for any of the three of them. Yes. So you've noticed that there are a, a weird preponderance of assassins <laughs> that have three names and I too. Use three names. I use my middle name and my full all, name. Also, ooh, I'm just realizing also all four Handsome, articulate maniacs. <laughs> all former actors, too. All current slash wow. former actors. Wow. That's, right. wow. That's well, my Mount Rushmore. Eric, make a Mount Rushmore with those four faces. Now, should I take down the Mount Rushmore of the Ninja Turtle you had me start earlier today? Ooh. Um, leave up Raphael and um, take out Mark David Chapman. Okay, on it. Yeah. I weirdly, I weirdly, honestly, getting rid of Mark David Chapman and replacing with Raphael is is has has made me very much more comfortable, even with still a bunch of other assassins up there. <laughs> well, John Wilkes Booth was a rude dude with attitude, so that yeah. just fits. Yeah. You know, we we have to stop talking about assassins, guys. We just simply must stop talking about assassins. <laughs> we, the Sondheim episode was a few episodes ago. Oh, yes, we cannot yes, do yes, it that's again. Right, unfortunately, that's right. now that's a great show. I don't know who you had talking about Sondheim, but there are a couple. The Balladeer. Uh, what a character uh, uh, from from the musical Assassins. In the charter, we cannot talk about the same subject we've talked about before. It's right here. Wow. So which uh, and before we before we move on, and I promise, Brendan, in the next. 30 to 33 minutes, we will move on. Which Ninja Turtle do you think you most relate to? Donatello. Easy. Yeah, same. Yep. Slam dunk. Does machines. Does machines. Wink, wink, wink. Uh -huh. Huge, huge nerd. Huge, yeah. you know, a, a, a real dork. But 
what I love about Donatello is, and this is a little, this is a little fun fact, a little triv. Donatello uh, ended up whooping the most ass on the show because his weapon, he was allowed by the sort of TV, like the ratings authority to hit living organisms. So the reason they fought so many robots on that show (laughs) is that Leonardo, Michelangelo, Raphael could only hit robots because they were wielding deadly weapons. But for whatever Mm. reason, because Donatello had a staff, he could like, you know, whap shredder in the face he could like hit the organic enemies now donatello of course as we mentioned does machines could you imagine a shirt that says donatello does machines i only hit robots and then like a winky face i think that's fun (laughs) have you heard this theory i think in the video game as well brennan in video game donatello i I would play donatello every single time in one button mash i would clear the entire screen with a big old mickey mantle whiff of my bow have you heard this theory that each Ninja Turtle got their weapon in accordance to their personality. Ooh, now why is that? Mm. Now, what, now, now walk me through this. Let me, well, very quickly, and again, in the next 28 to 31 minutes, we will move on. <laughs> yeah. We will play the game. I have the counter going. Raphael, hothead, he's yeah. given the size because the size, uh, they look, you know, sharp, but they're not bladed. They're mostly defense. So with his with his anger problems, he can mostly just do defense with his weapon. Um, uh, Donatello, fascinated with electronics, loves machines, loves um, all kinds of microchips and computers. He's given a big old stick because Splinter said, uh, try and see what you can do without technology, my dude. Leonardo's the most responsible. Therefore, he gets the deadliest weapons to bladed katanas because he's the only one who has maybe the capability to kill with a, a big old swing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but he mm-hmm. has the most trust of Splinter to be a leader and know when or when not to kill. Michelangelo, I'm not quite sure. I think it was something to do with focus of like he's so he's such a party dude and he's stoned all the time that Splinter was like, you need focus for nunchucks or else you'll like hurt yourself. So he has to like really focus when he does them. Mm. But I don't know if that's the case. Um, but I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. Right in thoughts? Well, the, so the nunchuck is an interesting weapon because Michelangelo eats a lot of pizza. So mm. if he's got grease on his hand and he gets one of the sides greasy, he can just grab the other side. And maybe that's what it is. That's smart. Brennan, we haven't started the game show quite yet, but <laughs> Eric, please please mark down 200 points to Brennan for being the first guest to mention Greece before we even get to the questions. Well, that's very that's very impressive. Different context. Points already Different context. Same emotional response. Different context, but hey, uh, New York, New York City Ninja Turtles eating that pizza, and you know you're gonna ah, that sweet orange grease. I would like it when it's violent <laughs> nuclear orange. The pizza grease, it's like irradiating orange. It's so good. This makes me imagine that when Danny Zuko was a little baby, he was like, "Yeah, Danny Zuko, you're too hot-headed. You don't. You need a heavy leather jacket to keep all that heat in." And then he became what he was going to become. Yeah. yeah. And a big rat man gave it to him. I like it when I go somewhere in New York and they put my slice in the oven mm-hmm. uh, with just their hand, and then they take it out of the oven with just their hand, and they feel nothing. They're <laughs> they have the hands of like a sculptor or like a crab fisherman. Like they feel their their hands are so calloused, and they could care less. They've done mm-hmm. it a million times a day. I think that really helps with the flavor of it. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Uh, Eric, yeah. can we get to our first round? We'll call it the I don't know the Leonardo round. 
Yeah, well, absolutely. Well, first, uh, we got so tied up in, in Ninja Turtle talk that, Brennan, we don't even know what you're here for. Brennan, what are you going to tell us about that you think is the most interesting and cool thing that has ever existed? Uh, well, listen, you guys kidnapped me and put me in a big metal cage in the middle of this room and then and then took the cage off. And I have to say, we've been getting along great since that happened. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I you're just need being to... compliant. You're you're participating yeah. in our Leon, in our uh, mutant ninja turtle talk. Of you course, you catch more flies with honey than with vinegar. You escape more hostage situations by playing the game show than by simply running for what looks like the exit right away. Okay, so That's the cool. honey's what drew you into the trap. Interesting, Eric. Make note of that because we've tried a lot of vinegar. Um... Yeah. Like a vinegar flatbread and it's not just working. Just burns. It no, just burns the Yeah, up. I've been walking by a metal cage outside my apartment filled with vinegar for weeks and weeks and weeks. <laughs> and I said, uninterested. You guys put honey in there one time. Yeah. <laughs> I walked right in. Uh, today, I will be talking to you about a pastime of mine that is mm. certainly what I have dedicated the most amount of my free time, my hobbying baseball? time, my leisure time to. Which is a game known as baseball. Baseball. The Great American Pastime. <laughs> Joe DiMaggio played it. Babe Ruth played it. You're talking Dungeons and Dragons, baby. Uh, Brennan, I am so excited. As a, as a multi-billionaire, of course, I have dabbled in D&D, but we play... Um, we play what we call for keeps, which is, I don't know if you've ever seen, uh, what's that Anthony Hopkins movie where a bear eats someone? Anyway, we we play, <laughs> we play in real life where, you know, if you roll the die, which are oh, giant, it's almost like the Alice in Wonderland chessboard, where if you roll a die, wherever it lies, however it comes up, if you get hurt, you get hurt. And yeah. if you lose all your hit points, my friend, you're out of the game. Okay. And so far, me and a lot of billionaires, we put we each put in $10 billion, and the last one alive at the end of our 35-year game uh, gets yeah. to keep all the money. Now, would you say that if you die in the game, you die in real life? Yeah, but real life is the game, so I think that's yeah, a wash. So pretty much yeah, the same. but I'd yeah, say that. that. Yeah, sense. Eric, for you, I'll say that. Okay, thank you. <laughs> uh, Eric, please take us to, let's roll a natural round one. Absolutely. Brennan, this is round one. Just tell me about it. Now, I have 10 foundational points about Dungeons & Dragons that I have prepared here that I have pulled from wikipedia.com. Okay. Uh, I would love it if you could give us an overview of your topic. Tell us about it, uh, the things that you would, need, you would need to know, and I'm going to put five minutes on the clock. You get points for each bullet, especially if you make them sound interesting and cool. And these bullets were pulled from Wikipedia, correct? <laughs> these bullets were Brand, pulled from we Wikipedia, We have to correct. stop saying bullets. I think we've moved on. <laughs> Roger. Yes. Understood. Copy that. Yes. This information was pulled from Wikipedia. However, I have called what is the most important things to know. Copy that. Correct. Uh, let me know when my time has started. It can begin as soon as you start speaking. And take that honey out of your mouth. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sorry. Every time it's go time, I just like to eat a little bit of honey. <laughs> just a little. You just take a little meat stick and slurp right up through the honey. And just eat it. Mm, this meat stick is mostly bacon. It's like thick, thick, thick bacon. Oh, mm. yeah. yeah. It, it says 6,000 calories on the wrapper. I thought that was what you wanted. Yes. Um, yeah. Dungeons and Dragons is a tabletop role-playing game 
that has been in print for many decades at this point. It is a game of heroic fantasy where a group of friends led by one friend who plays the role of the dungeon master who guides the other players through a quest with risks and treasures and enemies and combats and dungeons and all sorts of manner of other adventurous setting elements leads a group of players that are each playing a player character. They are responsible for running a single hero with a fixed number of abilities and powers, a personality, a background. Those heroes band together and go on an adventure together. The game is played uh, usually at a table, though it can also be played remotely, and that table is the source of the term tabletop, a tabletop role-playing game. You have your information of your character and their abilities recorded uh, on a character sheet that has all of their necessary info and abilities, and the game is played by rolling dice to determine variable outcomes. Now, the game has gone through many different iterations and evolutions throughout time. In the most more common modern iteration, D&D is really a storytelling game as well as a role-playing game. There is a collaboration between the players at the table that the rules of the game are set up to facilitate the telling of an epic quest and adventure. Each player is moving their hero throughout this quest and is responsible for the hero, their actions, being aware of their internal state, role-playing, their emotional self, their mental and intellectual self, their heroic self. And the dungeon master is responsible for populating the environment not only with other characters called NPCs, non-player characters, but also with elements of the world and plot moving, uh, environmental threats and hazards, the weather, the rising of the sun, the setting of the moon. All of this, this game can take place over months, years, a lifetime. I've been playing a game of D&D for 14 years now. And the game, the reason that the game sort of is more of a collaborative storytelling than it is just sort of a game is that the winning and losing condition is largely non-existent and immaterial. You win based on your ability to tell a compelling story together. And the game elements you can see when you add them all up don't actually spell winning and losing either. Like your characters can die, but fundamentally like the success or failure of a session Success or failure is measured in the micro rather than the macro. You can miss an attack. You can fail a skill check. But as long as the story continues, then the game progresses. Uh, oh, it seems like I'm sitting on a, on a pillow. Hold on. Oh, it seems to have the winning was the friends you had along the way. It seems to be adorned upon it. Oh, look Aww. at that. Winning was that's the nice. friends you made along the way. Yeah, that's sort of beautiful. I love that. <laughs> Thanks, pillow. I'm going to put that oh, on Oh, that's back. lovely. Uh, and that's Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, it's made up people with one person playing all the environmental effects and non-player characters uh, telling a story together in unison. Incredible. Ooh. You still have a minute 30. Hey, ha- would you say that Dungeons & Dragons has gotten popular lately as compared to maybe when you started uh, playing the game? Wildly so, due to a number of technological and pop culture factors. Uh, the game Dungeons & Dragons first appeared 
in like the 1970s, but a couple of factors came in, which was the a redesign of the game in its fifth edition that made it a little bit more user-friendly compared to earlier editions of the game, along with a technological burst of the podcasting renaissance and actual play and streaming, meaning that uh, actual play as a genre was able to introduce the game to a lot more people, plus uh, just a renaissance in uh, pop cultural artifacts like Stranger Things, which is actually a huge, often underestimated by people in the actual play community, but a big thing with Stranger Things pointed a lot of people in the direction of the game who otherwise would not have heard about it or found out about it. So uh, those factors, the technological, pop cultural, all have made a big resurgence of the game in, uh, in the last couple of years. Incredible. You have 20 seconds left. Is there anything else you'd like to say? Uh, no. All right. Uh, Mr. Rafai, oh. as in the as in the charter, you can eat the fifteen seconds. Uh, Brennan, back to the honey. This little honey bear can't get enough. Man, he is <laughs> like a hummingbird in heaven. <laughs> Ooh, is that clover? That is clover. <laughs> <laughs> no, we've set up six different honeys in there, and we're going to see uh -huh. which one the Brennan bear likes the most. This is actually going to be very important for what we're doing. Mm. Ooh, lavender. <laughs> Interesting. He's completely ignoring the DVD copy of Shia LaBeouf's Honey Boy. Interesting. Interesting. He keeps passing it over. Not even a curious sniff. Interesting. I thought I'd put it in there just to vary it up. <laughs> Amazing first round. Uh, yeah, I do have to say, just as a casual observer who, who has cameras all over the United States, after that episode of Community, where the whole sort of uh, gang uh, plays D&D, I remember friends hither and thither scrambling to assemble a game because it th they thought it looked like so much fun. And just from personal experience, I'll say that the people in my high school who played D&D turned out to be way cooler, have way better uh, uh, personalities, have way better social skills than anyone who played any amount of sports. So parents, if you're listening, put your kids in a D&D &D game, put your kids in an improv class, whatever that might be. It's going to give them skills for life. Yeah. And you did neither in high school. Well, no, I did not. I Well, I had a lemonade stand, but I sold shares of Minute Maid. Uh, so I sold... <laughs> 32,000 shares of Minute Maid within like an hour, flip that, uh, made my first billion. So yeah, it all, it all kind of worked out. And I, can I just say, I did it all on my own. My dad did give me the first 20 million to invest. But after that, on my own, figured it out, nothing but net. Um, Brennan, that was one of our best described um, first rounds. I'm going to go ahead and give Brennan Natural 20, we'll say 20,000 points for that first round. Wow. 20,000 wow. 20, wow. points, yeah. Wow. In, no. Unless you had any modifiers. You know, I think that, that in this in this instance, I don't, would feel uncomfortable giving myself a modifier unless I knew mm. that I was, as depending on who is the dungeon master in this scenario. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Is, it, is it you? Is it me? Is it Eric? You know? I'm not, I'm not allowed to touch dice anymore. Ooh. I fell uh, on too many uh, from, I'm afraid of cubes. It's it's too much. It's too much. I hope it wasn't any D4. That would be very painful. <laughs> it was a lot of them, but it was mostly, there were caltrops there too. It was, there were caltrops mixed in with the dice that I tripped on. Brutal. Absolutely brutal. Yeah. Uh, thank you for 20,000 points. Oh my gosh. I don't know what scale that's relative to, so it feels like a lot, but maybe we're operating on a scale of millions or billions. Oh, I guess I'm not sure. We'll figure it out as we go along. I guess all three of us can kind of share the DM responsibility. I think that makes for a fun game. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's almost like an improv group that's giving each other notes with no coach. <laughs> it, it can't fail. 
Um, um, Brennan, looking at your 10 points, you got eight out of 10. You hit the majority of the points here, hey. which is absolutely incredible. Um, you really, you really grabbed it at the end, filled out a lot of the stuff that I was looking for. The only stuff that you missed was talking about the actual, the books that you need to start, the player's handbook, the DM's guide, and the monster manual, mm -hmm. and all of the games that have been inspired by Dungeons and Dragons since then. So if, if you had said like, I don't know, Vampire the Masquerade, I could have given you a point. But, um, you know, there are a lot of really upset vampires at you right now, but I think that it's staying out of 10 is not bad. Well, you know, they can be upset, but as far as I'm concerned, uh, you know, every time the sun goes down, I seal myself in a giant block of cement and they can't find me. So there <laughs> you, go. you gotta, you gotta bring, if you're going to go to New York, you gotta bring your own cement. You can't expect bring to have one to cement. find any there. Every, every night it gets a little dusky and I pop myself in the cement with my little straw that I can breathe out of. And then come morning, chip, chip, <laughs> chipperoo, I'm chipped out of the block of cement, dust myself off and head back to work. And how long would you say it takes for someone to chip you out of that cement? Probably four or five days. <laughs> Honestly, that's so much easier than trying to figure out the different classes of Vampire the Masquerade. <laughs> I would much rather do that. Also, it sounds like you're chipped out just in time for the weekend, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and then back to the grind, am I right? Back to the grind. Back to the grind. You know it. Uh, Everybody's hiding from vampires for the weekend. Yeah, yeah. 100%. 100%. That's what Lover Boy said. Mm -hmm. Uh Brennan, for a few bonus points before we move on to round two, I'll give you, let's call it 30 seconds, um, to name mm -hmm. as many things as you would like, as you care to, um, that, that might tickle you or you'd have uh, get, a, get a, a giggle out of that D&D &D might stand for besides Dungeons & Dragons. We'll say D&D &D or DM if you want to use those uh, two sets of initials to, to think of, of anything else it might stand for that you would be thrilled about. All right, 30 seconds starts now. Uh, D&D, uh, Dippins and Dots, um, <laughs> Donuts and Dunkaroos, uh, nice. uh, Dinosaurs Strong. and Dangerous People. Uh, <laughs> All one word, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, dodos and Ducklings. 10 seconds. Uh, dystopias and Dwellings. Uh, <laughs> Uh, dice and damn fine food. Uh Time. <laughs> Beautiful. I counted eight, so we'll give you an additional uh, 800 points for that. Let's go. All right. Let's go. Wonderful, wonderful job. And I believe Jurassic Park was originally titled Dinosaurs and Dangerous People. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And the people are quite dangerous in Jurassic Park. Nedry, lest yes. we forget. Uh, Jeff Goldblum's animal magnetism as Malcolm, he's Dr. So Malcolm. Hot. He's so, oh, so he's hot. So hot. So hot. Just watched yeah. Independence Day again. Also a smoke oh. show. Really yes. a smoke show. That's why they, I think that's why the aliens came. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think that's why they came too. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> welcome, welcome to Earth. Here's. Here's uh -huh. Jeff Goldblum. Here's Jeff uh -huh. Goldblum. Yes. Uh, another thousand points to Brennan for a double entendre. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 22,008 points. Absolutely. Oh, my entendre is doubling right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, take those thousand points away. That was no! all right. too, too visceral an image. <laughs> 21,008 points. We're back. <laughs> Go back. Watch the fly. Oh, I like a viscous man. Um, Eric, why don't you go ahead and roll us on over to round two? All right, round two, the perfect thing. Brennan, what is a perfect encapsulation of Dungeons & Dragons? If someone asks you, well, what's an example of why you love this thing so much, what would you say? Within the game Dungeons & Dragons, 
there is a marriage of three things going on. There is a dungeon master who has a world and a setting that they've populated with challenges and characters and some kind of plot line. There are players playing these heroic characters. And then there are the dice. And the dice are a neutral, emotionless arbiter of random chance. And especially for people like myself and Adel who have a background in improv, we're used to not having those things be adjudicated, right? It's just due to the collaboration and yes-anding of the partners on stage. And that's beautiful. I've, I love improv and I will always love improv and that perfect free-form role-playing. What is beautiful about the dice is it means you are improvising with someone that you know doesn't care about you. And it makes mm. risk and heartbreak and danger. Heartbreak have... feels good at a place like this. I, I brought it up. I'm sorry, I'm <laughs> crying. You, I never realized D&D is unrequited love. It's unrequited love. The dice don't care about you. In a moment where you're in an improv scene and something has the emotional resonance of hanging in the balance, you know that it's not really hanging in the balance because there's a human being across the stage from you who you trust, who also wants the show to be as good as possible. So it's never hanging in the balance. It's just the illusion of it hanging in the balance. But there's a moment at a gaming table where everyone looks around and they all want the characters to survive and instead of allowing any of the human beings who have invested months or years into the survival of that character to have a say in their ultimate fate, that fate is handed over to the inscrutable, faceless prognostications of small plastic polyhedral dice. Have that sewn into a pillow, Eric. I want that. I want that in a pillow by tomorrow. I'm flipping it over. And as the dice rises into the air, there is a moment of surrender to whatever is to come. And the emotional resonance of being forced in a story of your own telling to be ejected from the seat of the storyteller and rocketed into the seat of audience member to a tale of your own devising. And to watch that plinkety-planking little D20 <laughs> roll around, and in the moment of your most dire need, you see two numbers, a two and a zero. And when that nat 20 comes up, when mm. it was the only number that could save you, the entire table erupts in a moment of triumph and joy and sweet relief. There is no high I have experienced in life like when the whole table knows it's what they need and somehow with only a 5% chance, you all get it. Sweet, sweet joy. Sorry, there's an audience has appeared behind us and is standing and ready to fight My the British. My siblings! Do you not hear? Do you not hear? They're slamming their shields. Well, the, the, with goblins, their the goblins are losing their minds. Uh, Brennan, my God. That was not just the best answer I've heard on this game show, Brennan. That was the best answer I've heard to any question in my entire fucking life. Mind you, I'm married. The Shakespearean effort of your description, the cold, cruel, 
description of Dice uh, as the Grim Reaper of our fantasy worlds, I, whew, this was as if George Saunders, Thomas Pynchon, uh, David Foster Wallace, and a hundred monkeys sat in a room with a typewriter and came up with an answer over 200 years. This is, Brennan, may God have mercy on your soul. That sounded like a threat. <laughs> the sound is bad. One billion points to Brennan. Wow. One, one billion points to Brennan. Let's and go. All the honey you can get your mouth around right now. Okay. Put him, oh. Okay. Let's put him in the honey booth. Okay. This is like one of those cash booths, and honey is just going to fly around. And uh, you get one minute. Oh, God. It's so hot in here. It's so hot in the honey oh, booth. Oh, it's spicy, honey. It's spicy, oh, honey. Oh, God. Ooh. Oh, it's kind of it's kind of globbing up and smacking him in the face. Ooh, we should turn off. Should I turn off the fans? This is, the, 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 I thought that you wanted the fans. This is too high. This is too high. I can't breathe. All right, look. Okay, turn, off, breathe. Turn, off, turn, off, turn off, turn off, turn off, turn off. Okay, I'll turn, I'll turn it off. Congra congratulations. Okay, I have a billion points. It got in my eyes. It got up in my nose, mouth. It was, it was uh, worth it. It was worth it. Did you get? Did you get any of the hundreds that were in the honey? What? Oh no! That's what that was. No, never. No, I no, ate everything. Wasn't. There was it. No, that's fine. I ate everything. Yeah. It's roughage. It's rough, honey. It's rough. Yeah. It's sharp. <laughs> Giving you little cuts oh. on the inside. What does he swallow? Okay. Right on. I gotta ask. How do you feel about honey now? Everyone, shut up. I'm sick. <laughs> Help. No. Uh, as uh, as Brennan's recovering, um, so that uh, Mr. Rofi, that was a wonderful response to um, to Brennan's answer, and you couldn't. You couldn't write anything in the birthday card to me. You had to use what was just written there from the whole, from Hallmark. Hallmark nailed it. You think I'm going to write something better than Hallmark? Come on, dude. It said congratulations on your quinceanera. You it didn't even it. choose the right one. That covered it, right? <laughs> you got to be at least 15 by now. Hey, it's Eric, and this is our special mid-roll time where I can talk to you directly just Right here, right, right, right here, and no one else can uh, can get in the way. I'm having a lot of fun this episode, so I want to get back ASAP, but you should probably tell people that we had Brennan Lee Mulligan on this podcast. Wouldn't this be a great time to tell people and send this to send this episode to other people? I think it's a good idea. So tell a friend. If you want to listen to Brennan talk about Dungeons & Dragons, but not like play it and just like flex his brain, um, you should uh, share this episode. But first, some mid-roll stuff. Thank you to our newest patrons, Bjorn K, Maddie Race, L M Dietzel, and our newest billionaire, Ethan Britton Hagen. They have joined patreon.com slash TMAI pod for ad-free episodes and special exclusive personalized episodes that Adol and I will do for the billionaires tier. Ethan is getting on top of that. And if you're like, what? I want that. Just join up. Patreon.com slash TMAI pod. We have more wonderful shows here at Multitude when you're done listening to every episode of Tell Me About It. Just like Pale Blue Pod, Pale Blue Pod, the astronomy podcast for people who are overwhelmed by the universe and want to be its friend. Astrophysicist Dr. Moya McTeer and comedian Corinne Caputo demystify space one topic at a time with open eyes, open arms, and open mouths because they're laughing so much and their jaws are dropped for the new info. By the end of every episode, the cosmos will feel a little less, ah, too scary, and a lot more, ah, oh, so cool. New episodes every Monday, wherever you get your podcasts. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes in life, we're faced with tough choices, and the path forward isn't always clear. Like, 
Did I think I was going to be the audio butler for a billionaire? No. But doesn't life just change and turn and switch back? And then here I am, and this is all I do and all I think about and all I think about is games. And the only thing that I dream about is, like, Jeff Probst coming down and being like, hey, you should make these games for Survivor. And I'm like, oh, no, I don't know if the billionaire will be able to take care of it. And he's like, ugh, I'm Jeff Probst. I took care of it. And then Adel's dead? Yeah, I think about it a lot. So when you're dealing with decisions about career relationships or Jeff Probst, therapy will help you stay connected to what you really want when you navigate life so you can move forward with confidence and excitement. If you are thinking of trying therapy, if you think this will help you, you should try BetterHelp because it's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a questionnaire and you'll get paired with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists anytime. It's like dating. You never know if you're going to click. You really got to find your person. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com TMAI today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot slash T-M-A-I. And now, back to the Brennan. Uh, Brennan, as a, not that you need it, uh, as a bonus round, uh, Hugh Grant, I believe, was the villain in the new uh, popular movie, uh, D&D um, something something. Yeah, uh, that's, the, that's the full title. You, yeah, that's true. And, I, saw, I saw it. It was a mess. And Hugh Grant was also the villain in Paddington 2. So yes. I have to assume... By the laws of my insanity, Hugh Grant is canon in both worlds yes. as a, a D&D character. Therefore, Paddington is also canon in D&D. I'm going to give you uh, up to one minute, and I want you to describe if Paddington were to be a D&D character, maybe what um, what capabilities he might have, what accoutrement or accessories he might possess um, uh, to have him as a fun, playable D&D character. If Paddington were in Dungeons and Dragons, oh well, he is, it's canon. Was his canon? Uh, he would, I'm presuming, would maybe be a Circle of the Moon druid. He would be some Ooh. kind of like where bear. He would be some sort of like ursine because that 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 allows you to take the form of a bear because he does wear clothes. Now I forget, is Paddington a real bear that just happens to walk like that and wear clothes, or is he a stuffed animal? Uh, I think that's up for debate. I think there's uh, two minds of that. So I think you're up. You can choose what you prefer, Brennan. I can give you a different piece of information is that he's from Peru. That's mm -hmm. all I know. Okay. I, I, I do not have the does answer that to the you Brennan, asked. Does that help? I have, I have a different piece of information for you. Okay. Paddington the bear. He's a little British bear from Peru? Yes, mm -hmm. correct. All right. Well, <laughs> hey, man, was that, was that I was trying to help you with a, I thought bears, you know, honey, I was trying to help you out, man. I think that he's a, I think that he is a circle of the moon druid and he's at least third level. And I think that he has a uh, hat of disguise and I think he has a cloak of yeah. elven kind. And that's his little blue coat and his little red hat. That's what Again, I And of course, and he has, and if you expend a third level spell slot, he can conjure marmalade whenever he wants. Ooh, conjure yeah, marmalade? Yeah. He has a marmal aid kit. Um, wow. So he can, he can also heal. Ooh. Uh, uh, a billionaire and great with words. Wow. <laughs> Can't you wow, wow, wow. Uh, have you guys ever had marmalade? Not orange marmalade, no. I have, and it was literally only in Britain. They they slather that. I, I, I've also had baked beans for breakfast only in Britain. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. What's going on over there? Yeah, for sure. 
digestives? They call cookies digestives? Is that to make them unappealing to kids? Because ki- you say digestives to a kid, and they're going to be like, Mwah. Now, I will say, if you get a sleeve of those milk chocolate digestives from the corner store, I'm housing oh. that whole thing. It's not making it to the next stop. So mm-hmm. oaty and mealy. The texture is so crumbly. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Same with Walker shortbread. Any- oh, Ooh, Maron. That... <laughs> Maron. That Walker shortbread. Sorry, Polly Walnuts, your next episode. Get out of oh, here. I'm trying to tell you about Walker shortbread. Oh, come on. That next episode, Polly. Come on. You're, you have a whole wing. Just like Nona McLeod used to make. <laughs> Hey, Paul, it's me, Silvio Dante. Listen, Big Ben won't be so big when we whack it in the knees. <laughs> Next episode, we have the whole cast of The Sopranos coming on, we know. We got Christopher it. Moltisanti cleared his whole week. Yeah. Sopranos in London, it writes itself. The, the, the cast of The Sopranos, who are the but are being referred to by the character names of The Sopranos characters. I, how else would you just say Polly Walnuts? Yes, that's his name. That's why. That's why. They, that's why they wrote him into the show because his name was all he probably wanted. Wait, does yes. Christopher Moltisanti think that he was in White Lotus, or is it not? Well, is this, Brennan, this great question? But, it's it's yeah. almost like when Junior Soprano watches Curb, and he's like, yeah. "That's me." Yeah, yeah. Christopher Moltisanti, the yeah. Christopher got so popular, he got so famous off of Cleaver that then he got to go to the White Lotus later on as a as all. Yeah. 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 Listen, yeah, yeah. everything that we've been saying is true. So understand that I so like we are in in your in your chamber here. I was in a metal cage. I have been eating honey. I'm covered in hot <laughs> yes, spicy course. honey. But I'm a, I want to say another different actually true thing too, yes, which is yes. a buddy of mine, Lou Wilson, has got commissioned art from yeah. a person on Instagram that he just thought was it was one of those things where it was so like so cheesy that it was like hilarious and it was mm-hmm. all of like the bad matches like it was like Tony Soprano and Walter White and all of them like yeah. at the Last Supper eating with a big lion. <laughs> and the picture, if I think about the picture, it starts to drive me crazy. And let me see if you can follow me through why it's so crazy. Yes, sure. There are four individuals at this like bad men, anti-hero dinner of like the okay. badasses. Mm-hmm. And the four men are from the Godfather, Michael Corleone. Sure. Okay. Tony Montana from Scarface. Two Pacinos so far. Two Pacinos. And then there's the Joker from Heath Ledger. And then there's the Joker from The Joker. And all (laughs) four of them... Are there and so I and so and and I saw it and started to lose my. I was like, no, this can't happen. And you're like, what do you mean it can't happen? It's a drawing. And I was like, look, either the Joker is there twice, or Al Pacino is there twice, because yes. either it's Heath Ledger and Joaquin Phoenix are there both dressed as the Joker, in which case yeah. Al Pacino's in this room twice as Tony Montana or Michael Corleone, yes. or yes. Michael Corleone and Tony Montana are like, whoa, we're two gangsters who look a lot alike, and the Joker's there twice and looks different. And Brendan, can I, I have never agreed with someone more on anything. And can I go one step further and yeah. say, if it's gonna be two Jokers, Scooch out everyone else and then put in like Jack Nicholson, Cesar Romero, populate it all with jokers, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, it should it's, be all it's, jokers. It's oops all jokers. Oops all jokers. Or scooch, scooch out those, uh, go to the other way, yeah. scooch out all the jokers, and we have, hey, we have uh, Al Pacino from Devil's Advocate. We have Al Pacino from, <laughs> I want to say, Simone, uh, or whatever. Carlito, Doc what, Carlito's Way, was that Carlito's him? Way. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Um, so that's, that's, the, that's how we do it, is it's either all Al Pacino's, 
or oops, all jokers. It, there's no mix. You can't mix and match. It sounds like they put 60 different villains on a lottery on a lottery ball machine yeah. and then pulled them out like the Mega Man. And there were some people that really didn't deserve to be there. Like there's Michael Corleone and then next to him is like is is Killian Murphy from Peaky Blinders. <laughs> and you're like, this is not don't sure. do this. And then there's the the blonde guy from Vikings, and you're like, why is? <laughs> well, that could be anyone from Vikings. It could be anyone why do from I Vikings. need? St- Apparently, I need stars to yeah. like this picture. <laughs> Although I do love, I do love Pacino grabbing uh, Fredo's face. Yes, and in a Peaky Blinders accent, saying, "I know it was you, Fredo. You broke my heart." Yeah. I think that's, I think that's a uh, killer. Yeah, just Pacino goes up to Cesar Romero as the Joker and goes, "Tommy Shelby," and then <laughs> that's the madness of that. Where's listen? The honey's. I'm kind of pissed how good that uh, impression was. (laughs) Because all I have, all I have is peaky fucking blinders. Yeah, and then it's Tom Hardy coming up and just being like, being like, what do you you want to fucking do? You want to fucking you fucking put yourself on my back? Oh no. Tommy Shelby, oh, he's the man I'm supposed to speak to. And you watch that, and then eight thousand YouTube comments all saying, "This is real acting." <laughs> I truly think Tom Hardy, born without a tongue, and I think he's so handsome. <laughs> this man is so handsome. How handsome is he? This man is so handsome. They'll cast him in any role, and they'll be like, "Yeah, we got it." Uh, no, oh, that's we could understand you uh, completely, sir. I feel that way about Jason Statham too, because the whole time, every single Whoa. one of his lines start with "All right, love," and like Eric, they didn't write that into the script. Not the hill to die on in my presence, dude. <laughs> Tom Hardy, for being the most beautiful Shit. man on the planet, it feels yes, like he walks agreed. onto every movie set and it's like, "Now look here, you're gonna take some shit and put it on my face." <laughs> For the whole movie, Bane, Mad Max, Venom. This guy can't stop making people put shit on his face. Although, what to be handsome? That was Michael Caine uh, turning into Tom Hardy. <laughs> he played Al Capone. Like, why? Yeah, he played yeah, Al Capone. Just yeah. in, in the wor- one of the worst films of all time in 2020, he played well. Al Capone. Did not it do was... well. And then in Locke, he's like, I'm doing the movie. I'm not getting out of the car. And they're like, we'll ride around it. You're in the car the whole movie. No, it's just you and a cell phone. What? And uh, he did that action. He did that one where he was his own twin, right? He was in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one. Uh, there is, is Legendary. Based on two... Legend? Yes, Legendary? Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Legend. Yeah, yeah. Legend. Um, I didn't think it was that good of a movie. It was, I mean, they just played two guys. No. Brennan, we have to tally up your points. <laughs> um, I can't remember what round this was. What was the? <laughs> that was the end of round two. We gave you a billion points. I think is this is yeah. this still round two? We gave you a billion points already, but yeah. some follow up points for your description of Paddington. Another a thousand points for that. Thank okay. you. And um, I'll say right now for another a thousand or two thousand points, Brennan. Let me ask you, Paddington three, Teddy or not? Good name. Perfect name. And you and we can figure out what in the plot justifies it later. We can figure no, out why it makes sense later, but just as a name, perfect. I'm seeing yeah. it. Another thousand points to Brennan. Also, okay. earlier, minutes ago, I said your answer to round number two was the best answer I've ever heard to a question in my life. That was until you answered a question not even asked, but should have been asked. What if Polly Wallace was at a corner store in London buying uh, digestives? What if he was? Can you, what if he was? What if he was? Two billion points. And that's right. that's now that's now the watermark. 
That's now the the, the answer to beat uh, to life's it. question. To life's question of what if Polly Walnuts was in London? He'd be so confused. He'd get he'd get. They'd be like passport, and he'd punch the guy in the face, and they'd be like, uh, "Polly, you can't do that." And he's like, "What? <laughs> Forget about a pat down." And also, Brennan, you mm-hmm. saying Tom Hardy is the most beautiful man alive couldn't agree more. Another thousand uh, a thousand points for that. And last last thing we'll say before we move to round three. Yeah, I am offering you. Okay, I. I do not know how much it will cost. This could financially ruin me. Mm-hmm. I'm offering you right now, based on uh, Sopranos and the painting you mentioned, I will commission a painting for you. Do you remember in Sopranos where Tony is in like a Napoleon outfit standing next to Pio Mine? Yep. Yes. Yep. Yes. I will commission you a portrait. Brennan Lee Mulligan in a Napoleon outfit standing next to any Al Pacino character or any of the Joker's face on a horse. Sorry. So I, Brennan Lee Mulligan, will be dressed as Napoleon, <laughs> and mm-hmm. I will be standing in this portrait you're going to commission. I will be standing yeah. next to a horse that can have any Joker's face on it. <laughs> Honestly, any two. If you can pick, and you can mix and match. Now this is now this is a two-headed horse. Did I stutter? No. Nope. It could be. Yeah. Okay. No. It could you be, did we'll not. Talk about D and D, Brennan. Yeah. We could have one Pacino, one Joker. We could have two Jokers. We could have two Pacinos. You I can't go was- outside. I think this is what the rule of cool was, what what it meant. That's what it meant. And all I need, Brennan, is a yes or no if you want this item. Yes, I do want it. And what I would love, if possible, is me in Napoleon Garp. Great. Full thumbs up. Rather than picking one or the other, I would like each of the horse's two heads to be a rendering of Al Pacino as the Joker, which to my knowledge, he has never played. (laughs) I thought that's smart. Your answer to question number two is the best answer of all time. Until I heard your question about Polly Walnuts, what if he was in London? Until I this run of points is how is how governments get overthrown. This is how entire currencies become irrelevant. Until Brennan Lee Mulligan comes up without Pacino in Joker makeup. Wah! And what what is the Joker's whole mo if not hooah? Yeah. Truly. I will commission this. Truly. I have to assume this will take, much like the Sistine Chapel, I assume this will take years and years. But, Brennan, I will commission it tonight. And whenever this masterpiece is done, it'll be uh, shipped to your cement block. Um, we have to move on. We've kept you, I want to say, I want to say three to four days. We have yeah. to move on and respect your time because we have not so far. Eric, let's go ahead and uh, uh, dance on over to round three, please. Yeah, I, should, I shouldn't have done all those things that I did to keep you here. Um, you now have 3,024,008 points. Double it. <laughs> Uh, great. Six million. Yes. Six, yes, dude. Yes. Six million forty-eight thousand and sixty and sixteen points. There you go. Wow. We're now under round three, which is the question and answer portion. Um, we have some follow-up questions for you, and they will be the gotcha questions that Vecna and his eye and and hand have been warning you so much about. Okay. Please answer as many of these as you can. You got it, Brennan. Question number one. I heard I'd be possessed by a demon. If I play Dungeons and Dragons, can you confirm or deny that? I am still deciding which answer will make me more likely to play. Uh, if you are referring to your character, 
being possessed mm -hmm. by a demon. Well, my friend, that may well happen. There are many spells and magical abilities within the game that could uh, result in such a wondrous and dramatic and horrifying scene unfolding. But if you are worried about you, yourself, the person being possessed, well, you don't have to worry about that. That rumor started during the 1980s with the Satanic Panic, which was at a moment where a sect of American evangelicals determined that Dungeons and Dragons, like anything else that gets popular enough was a threat to uh, the whatever they were up to. And so they said it was going to possess you. Uh, that doesn't happen. It's never happened. Uh, and uh, you're under no danger of being possessed by a demon at any point in your real day-to-day -day life for any reason, D&D &D or otherwise. I did watch it happen to Tom Hanks in a movie. So Mazes and Monsters. That's correct. Yes. And that movie, like many movies, was not real. Ha <laughs> ha. Uh, well, I mean, Polly Walnuts and Paddington 2 were here, but I guess I guess that one wasn't. It's just hard for me to keep track. I know. It's hard to parse. It is hard to parse. But take it from a man covered in rapidly cooling and hardening honey. <laughs> uh, you are in no danger of being possessed. Perfect. Okay. Uh, amazing. Um, here, I'm going to call a slight audible here. Okay. Brennan Lee Mulligan, question number two. Which of the Jokers would make a perfect D&D villain? The ideal Joker to be a D&D villain mm -hmm. is Mark Hamill's Joker from Batman the Animated Series. Of course it is. Oh, of chef course kiss. it is. Yes. Maron. Maron. The best <laughs> Joker. D&D uh, is episodic. D&D rarely has the structure of a feature-length film. So the Jokers, uh, captivating though they were, as played by Jack Nicholson or uh, Heath Ledger, uh, the ultimate Joker, the one that keeps coming back and back and back as a recurring villain, not only is it, I think, is Mark Hamill's performance uh, rivals in terms of quality in his other ones, but I think structurally is best suited for a long-running campaign. Hmm. Very nice. That's uh, a beautiful answer. Mark Hamill. Ooh, that voice gives me shivers. Um, let's see. Uh, third question. Third and final question for this round, Brennan. Mm -hmm. This is a question we found on Reddit, which I heard is what all the kids are using these days. <laughs> Here's the question. The title is, am I too old to start playing D&D? I'm in my mid-30s and coming from humble beginnings in the province from the Philippines. During my high school days, I was always a fan of role-playing games and D&D, but unfortunately, I never had the chance to actually play due to a lack of people and resources. Recently, though, things have been emotionally draining, and I find myself yearning to immerse myself in the fantasy world as another character again. One day, a D&D show that Brennan was running, that would be you, popped up on my YouTube recommendations, and I was instantly drawn back into this incredible world of D&D. Watching all this content has only fueled my desire to actually try playing it myself. So, I need your valuable opinions, my amazing friends. Is it too late for me to start playing D&D? I'd love to hear your experiences and thoughts on this matter. It is Never too late to start doing the things you love. It is never too late. It is never too late. The, hun the honey, it's cracking. It's shattering. He's emerging. His skin is glistening. He's bigger. He has, he has wigs. That's incredible. I am king of the birds. <laughs> That's it. Hold on. Hold on. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's just it. the birds. Just birds. When you sprout huh. wings from your back, sometimes people think it's angelic, but actually it's just birds. 
Mm. Oh, and uh, Brennan, this is um, billionaire to whatever you are. Um, I, I do take a, a night class of improv. Is that good improv? If you say I am the bird king with a ton of enthusiasm and I go, that's it. That's, is that like a good improv move? It's excellent. What you want to do. Great. <laughs> it's great. It's great. It's excellent. Don't even. Yeah. So if anyone, if somebody says, honey, I home, yeah. honey, I home. And I go, that's it. That's, that's it. a good improv. Move, we were right? talking, yeah. we were ta- talking about British, uh, uh, things people before I taught an improv class one time where straight up there was a British guy in the class and it was just funny because his voice made the scene in particular very very good someone started a scene being like morning dad excited to make pancakes for your birthday and this guy responded who are you (laughs) (laughs) not only incorporating al pacino (laughs) but complete denial who are you yeah it's a question it negates everything it's it was it was perfect (laughs) i asked you after that class to never tell that story about me i don't know why you decided to do that huh. in front of my employer. I'm so sorry. It was just too great not to mention. Who are Brennan- you? <laughs> Brennan, I'm so happy you mentioned this story. I am a little saddened, though, because as you mentioned yourself, and I fully agree with you, that is the best response to a question I've ever heard. So, Eric, we're going to have to deduct three billion points for no! Brennan. I don't... Oh, the Bird King. Oh, it's scre- oh the screeching... <laughs> yes, and he's having a bad time. Yes. I can tell. I think that's Ooh. fair. I think it's fair, ultimately. The, uh, it's never too late to start playing D&D, let alone in your mid-30s. Look, this is not competitive. And the entire idea of starting a hobby or starting a pastime, like, unless you're looking to compete in the Olympics, the time that you start discovering something it doesn't really matter like like anything that brings you joy please leap into it with a plum with leap directly into it to your heart's content um there are so many people first of all being in your 30s like there are so many people of your same age that are discovering this game for the first time that would want to play yes. so you're not it's not like everyone and also there are people looking for like new players all the time so i would say First of all, always pursue your passions, regardless of what they are. But number two, D&D doesn't even have the the elements of a pastime or hobby that would be age specific. It's not, again, it's not like professional sports where it's like, oh, at a certain point, like people that have been training since they were children for like gymnastics are going to have this competitive advantage. It's non-competitive. It's a pastime. And there are no elements of the hobby that rely on you being a certain age. So yes, jump in immediately. Yes. Love that. Alan Rickman didn't become a household name until he was, I want to say 44 or something. Yeah. Go for it. Michelangelo didn't paint a painting until he was a hundred years old. And he didn't start messing with machines until 150. Well, Michelangelo, when Donatello was gone, Michelangelo started messing with machines and it made him a hundred. It made him a hundred. And also, you know how sometimes people get struck by lightning and then they're like, I know piano. It was like that. Yeah. We, we don't have time to go into what I just said or unpack that. Uh, Brendan, what we're okay. Amazing answer. Another, uh, we'll give 3 billion points for that answer. All right. Back on the, so back you deducted board. 3 billion and you want to put 3 billion back. Yes. Okay, yes, correct. Yes, yes. All right, let's go ahead and go over to round four, please, Eric. All right, you are, we are back to your original score of 6,048,016 points. Double As we go to round four. Double it? <laughs> oh, double that? Double it. All right, doubling wow. it. Wow, 12 now bill. I have to, all right, I'm putting this in my attic machine. Give me a second. It's probably 12 billion. 
Give or take. There, there's a, there's other numbers involved in, <laughs> in, the, in this thing that I need to I, know. I, of course, I went to Princeton, too, which is a college nobody really knows about or can find or see. It's kind of the Narnia of colleges. <laughs> but at Princeton, too, you learn to do mental math. So, Eric, I apologize for what, what does your calculator say? Uh, it says twelve billion ninety six thousand and thirty two. Yep, that's what. No, I that you, that's what you said, and I should yep. have listened to you instead of my adding machine. That's on me, and I will, and I'll give myself a bad performance review after this. Thank you so much. So for round four, I've instructed my manservant Eric to prepare a few wacky mini games here to test your intellectual and creative metal. Eric, what do we have today? Well, this one was actually quite easy because Brennan has been on a game show before. You, Brennan, you have been on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, correct? That is correct. <gasps> I have. That how correct. was that experience from being in being in the big chair? Well, you know, there were elements of it that were really positive, and there were elements of it that were uh, tough. Um, definitely, like the experience of of having your identity be kind of accordioned into a little window because it's you know they're they're making a TV show and they got to kind of they got to kind of package you to tell a certain kind of story and that's totally fine. Uh it was a life-changing opportunity. So so to Liz who cast me on the show, I'll be grateful to her. she changed the course of my life. Uh thank you so much Liz. Uh if you had not, I would uh be drowning in medical debt and I would never have been able to move out to California. Uh which is where I was able to make a lot of uh, I I don't know what the shape of my career or my life I would never have met my wonderful wife Izzy. Uh I get emotional thinking about it. It's crazy. Is now is it a huge indictment of our capitalist system that the only way I was able to escape the fucking sinkhole of crazy debt was literally slumdog millionaireing my way out. And it, by the way, <laughs> it was not millionaireing. It was $50,000, which is life-changing money. It was just, that was all yeah. I needed yeah. to, it was like it, that, that amount of money, I was able to pay off my debt and set myself up to, to move across the country. And the rest, as they say, is history. So yes, I, it was a very positive experience overall. Amazing. Incredible. Well, obviously, because this is uh, a terrible example of capitalism in the American way, we're going to make you play it now. Oh, hooray! Because we, we have who wants to win money from a billionaire. And here's some legally distinct game show music playing now. So, Brennan, of course, you, you can decide if you want more points okay. by the end of this, or you could just take money right from Mr. Refai. Okay. Uh, you also, you're going to answer five questions uh, about Dungeons & Dragons, which starts with $50,000 slash points. Okay. You have two lifelines. You have your 50-50, of course, a classic. And Ask the Adolence, where you can ask Adol, because you can't talk to the audience. And gotcha. we cut the phone line, so you can't use that either. Copy that. All right. Uh, also, uh, Mr. Rafai, you have the option of being Regis Philbin Ooh. at any time. Pass. Okay, that still option is still on the table for you. You could still be Regis Philbin whenever you want. Brennan, is that good improv? Uh, somebody sets me up. Somebody <laughs> sets me up, and I say pass. Yeah, is that good improv? Uh, uh, it's great. Try doing it in a British accent next time. Pause. Yeah. Pause. My my job contract says that was a really good thing to do on this thank podcast. You. Oh, thank, thank you. you, Eric. Thank you. Incredible. All right, for fifty thousand points slash dollars, Brennan, if you get enough Koatoa together, they will a enter their school form and do seven times more damage. B create a god from their collective subconscious. C speak in common as a collective. Or D gain advantage on attacks from the pack tactics ability. Well, it's Eric. We're going to go ahead and lock in B as our final answer. 
That's correct. The Koatoa do create a god from their collective self-conscious. I love those little fish guys. Unbelievable. What is that? Unbelievable. Is that, Unbelievable. Is that dual pulp? That is the one, that's the one in the in the monster manual that they end up create. But you can put any idea in their head, and they can create any god. I love those. I love those little weird fish guys. I love them. Way to go, Kuatoa! Don't let anybody knock you down, baby. Uh, answer A was actually Wishy Washy from Pokemon. Totally different. <laughs> totally different. All right, we're moving on to a hundred thousand dollars slash points. Brennan, which of these are not fundamental table rules as suggested in the DM's guide? A Foster respect, B, avoid distractions, C, half snacks, or D, be creative. Which of them is not a rule in the DMG? Yes, which one of them is not a rule? I pulled it right from chapter eight, which tells you how to run the table, and it says it right there. Hey, talk it out. We can talk it out. Regis Philbin's here. Talk Weirdly. Well, actually, you know what? I'll, I'll, use, one, I'll use my 50-50 here. All right. We are taking out avoid distractions and half snacks. It's either foster respect or be creative. Which of these are not right from the DMG? I'm going to say D, be creative, final answer. That's correct. Be creative. It's wild. Those first three are just in there. And be creative, just <laughs> that's not the one that they decided to lock Amazing. in on. Amazing. I will say, be creative. Like the other ones, like fostering respect is a good thing to tell tables to do. Be creative does feel like a certain amount of pressure. You're put it like the idea of a book being like, and don't do shit that's not cool. <laughs> <laughs> Only yeah, do some fair. cool shit, man. It's like, <laughs> I don't... That's a, di- a different extension. It's a different, it's a different extension. Book. It's a different extension. Yeah. I might actually agree, I agree with that judgment. Be creative. It's like, that. that's the implied commandment. Right. So you don't want to like say it. It's, I can just see people being like... Like, imagine giving a contribution at a table and someone being like, um, I believe that Jeremy is breaking a rule. That was a very uncreative choice. <laughs> <laughs> I just like that you can just point to the book and be like, mm, we should have snacks. Why don't you have snacks, Jeremy? I love. I agree with that 100%. You, how dare you not have snacks? Yeah. Uh, avoid distractions is also really funny. The second sentence of that paragraph is, if you have young children, hire a babysitter. Right. <laughs> just like, let them know. Let them know. Let them know. Let them know. No. That's funny. All right. We are now going on to our third question, 250,000 points slash dollars. Brennan, which of these items are not from the DM's guide? Is it A, the animated shield, B, the balloon sword, C, nine lives stealer, or D, the wind fan? I'm going to say B, final answer. Regis, what do you think about this? I think it sounds great. <laughs> Let's lock it in. That's right. That's bees. That's the balloon sword. We're moving on. That one is from Neopets. Congratulations. Wow. That one's, that's from, wow. Ne- that one's from Neopets. It's really hard. I had to take out all the ones that said blank of blank. I'm like, you would have known that. Okay, that's, that's, sure. that's not good from anything for else. For sure, for sure. All right, $500,000 slash points. Brennan, which of these monsters has an attack that can lower a stat by two points on a hit? Shadow Assassin, Intellect Devourer, Varguli, or the Beholder? I'm going to say B, Intellect Devourer, final answer. Oh, I'm sorry. That's incorrect. Brutal. Brutal. That's incorrect. The, that was the Shadow Assassin is what we're looking shadow for. Shadow Assassin. Very, very cool. I dig it. The Shadow Assassin, when it attacks, you roll 1d4 to lower the strength. To lower the strength. The Intellect Devourer has this really cool ability that when it hits you, it actually rolls 3d6. And if your intelligence is lower than that, you just go to zero. That's just what happens. Wow. Wow, yeah. wow, wow. Funny story. There's a very... the, the 
middle of the curve produced by three dice means that like there's almost a guarantee if you have an intellect of 10 that you're going to hit that. We There was a, a believe me, uh, rolling a number like higher than a 13 on 3d6 is very, very challenging. Does not come mm-hmm. up very often. Um, well, shit. Good to know. Shadow Assassin. Yeah. Unfortunately, this does give you the same amount that you got in real life, 50,000 points slash dollars. Uh, and listen, the, the million-dollar question was a real doozy, but I can't tell it to you, You can't? Not even no, can't. Not even right now? Not even as just a funsy? Okay, I, do, do you want the funsy? Give me the, you want give me the funsy. Give me the funsy one. Okay, here we go. For the hey, million- my ears are burning. Hits did you box. <laughs> Thanks, Fonzie. Uh, All right. Max Holm, the level five barbarian, jumps into an Olympic-sized pool filled with sharks. He goes into a rage, throws his javelin at a shark 20 feet away, and targets the eyes. If we are playing 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons, that attack has A, advantage, B, no changes as a standard attack roll, C, disadvantage, or D, automatically misses. I believe the attack would be rolled straight. Because, okay, Barbarian goes into a rage, jumps Mm -hmm. into the water, throws the javelin, but makes it a called shot for the eyes. Mm -hmm. I don't think 5e has a called shot mechanic like that. I would say that it was rolled with disadvantage. You say roll with disadvantage? Yeah, final answer. All right. Unfortunately, no, that's B. I'm also looking for B, no changes. You were absolutely right. The call shot does not exist, and the rage would not help. But because you're throwing a javelin, looking at the underwater combat, if you throw something that looks like a javelin, including a spear, a trident, or a dart, uh, there's no changes. Wow. Because, because it's within because it's within its normal range. I would administer disadvantage for the called shot. That's the call, That's the shot I would call. It's just fun reading underwater combat. That's just fun to do. I love that. Incredible. And I just want to say the funsy is with Brennan. I agree. <laughs> Incredible. Wow. Oh, my right. roll. <laughs> All right, Brennan, you're still walking out of here with $50,000 slash points. Um, and I'm going to add that to your total. Thank you so much. I can't get higher than 50K. It's all that's that's where that's where we top out in these games. It's the curse that Chris Harrison put on you when you left the state. Boy, left the state you're out. not kidding. You know, it is what yep. it is. All right. Well, at the end of round four, Brennan, you have twelve billion a hundred and forty six thousand. Double it, <laughs> Brennan. You have you, you have twenty four billion. Oh boy, two hundred. Just make it an even twenty five billion. Okay, it's twenty five billion. You have twenty five billion. Now, points. is this sort of? Am I in rarefied air right now, or is this kind of the ballpark of point totals we see on the show typically? I Brennan, think, hey Brennan, yeah. Let me ask you this. I don't know. The current number one is 6,638 points. So what do you think? Wow. Wow. Okay. I'm honored. I'm deeply, I'm deeply honored. And I'm, I'm, I just means a lot that I could get so many points and I don't know what they do or if they transfer to anything or if I'm, if I'm just going to be stuck in honey forever, but I love having so many points, and that's the truth. You've br- you've broken out of, the, of how many points you usually get, so we cannot even do your surprise grease question. Unfortunately, no, it's, it's not too necessary. Much. It's just Why don't we much. go ahead? Uh, take us to the highest scoreboard, please, Eric. All right, we are now here at the scoreboard. As as Adel said, we had six thousand six hundred and thirty-eight points from Julius Trafini talking about Greek mythology before as the number one. Brennan, you are now our number one, the number one score of all episodes. Of tell me about it with 25 billion points. Congratulations. (laughs) 50 billion points. Congratulations. That's it. That's it. Wow. Wow. Oh, I'm 
so happy. Thank you guys so much. Honey Lee Mulligan, thank you, Bird King. I know you have a lot of territory to cover, penguins, flamingos, etc. Is there anything you would like to mention before you have to fly off to your flock? Um, I just want to say that to all of the goblins and birds and little honey bears out there, that whatever you dream in your heart, you can make real with your wings. And I am going to lift up my big honey-covered wing to salute all of you, and I'm going to fly straight into the sun and burn up and blow up. Goodbye forever. If if Brennan Lee Mulligan blows up, can I take him off the high score? I feel like that might make that might make people a little not want to do the episode. I'm sorry, I'm I'm concentrating on him saying bye forever. That deserves another billion points. Uh, amazing, thank you so much, Honey Lee Mulligan, the Bird King, off into the sun. That's all for this episode of Tell Me About It. Tune in next week for more Pacinos and Jokers and Dice Marron. Pacinos and Jokers and Dice Marron. Pacinos. Eric, come on, join in. Pacinos and Jokers and Dice Marron. Marron.